when we went to the nomad camp, um, we had contacted the gentleman like in, right before we left to drive out there and it was a little over an hour ride. And by the time we showed up, his daughter had just passed away from malaria. Mm. She was a toddler. They don't really know ages there. Mm. Um, she was a toddler. So when we had contacted him to come, he said, yeah, come, everything's fine. Um, and so just watching my girls, like we arrive and we get out and they're like, oh, my daughter just died from malaria. And they're just heartbroken. They don't know how to respond or what to do. Um, so they're just watching their hearts struggle with things like that or like um, Abby referenced, they butchered a goat. That was because it turned into a funeral. Um, oh, they wow. wouldn't normally butcher a goat just for company. Um, and so watching them be really brave and eat liver and stomach and intestines, and really? you just eat it because you can't, you can't not. Welcome to this episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Today we have a special treat. We have the Forrest family with us who have just returned from a family mission trip to the nation of Chad in Africa, northern Africa. And uh, they, they left after summer camp, and they've just returned a couple weeks ago. And so I thought it would be fun for us to sit down and have a discussion with them. And what makes it so fun is that we have our very first children on the website. We have the two oldest children of the Forrest family, that being Abby and Ellie, and uh, they went on the trip with John and Heather, and uh, so I thought it'd be fun for us to find out just what the trip was like for them. Hi, girls. Hi. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you doing this. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's just ask a few questions and see see what you have to say about this trip. Uh, what was something, Abby, why don't you go first? What was something that you experienced that was the most fun? I really liked just sitting outside on mats, hanging out with the people there. We would just sit outside on the mats, and we would help them pick off leaves, like of herbs that they would use in their cooking. Oh, really? And they would make things to sell in the market. Okay. Like, so, mm-hmm. so you just sat outside. Was it hot? Was it cold? Was it comfortable? Uh, it was comfortable. I didn't really notice it. Okay. It's their rainy season, so it's cooler than normal. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. And Ellie, what about you? Um, it was really fun playing with the babies or holding the babies. Um, there they don't have diapers. Uh-oh. And so whenever you hold the babies, then there's a chance of them going to the bathroom on you. And one little girl did go to the bathroom on me. Oh, no. <laughs> what did you do? Uh, I rinsed off my feet afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. Uh, what else happened on this trip? What was uh, something that you learned from the people of Chad? Um, I think one time we visited a nomad camp, and it just like brought the Old Testament to life for me. Like, they killed a goat then and there when we came. Wow. It reminded me of, like, Abraham when the three men visited him. Yeah. And he invites them into his tent, and he kills a goat for them. And, like, we were sitting in a tent, and they killed a goat, and we ate it. Wow. How did it yeah. taste? Um, tastes like goat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it. Okay, okay. And, Ellie, what about you? Um, I... Learned that um, they only had a little bit of things. Like, they only had 
one-room huts, and their bathroom was only a hole in the ground outside. Okay. And they didn't have running water or electricity, and their stove was just on the ground, and that they didn't complain for how little that they had. Really? And they were very generous. Were they really? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great. Really neat. Okay, what was uh, something that was really challenging for you, Abby? Um, I think it was challenging, like, seeing all the beggar kids and, like, there's trash everywhere and there's just lots of poverty. Mm. I think I used to read a lot of, I still do, I read a lot of books about missionaries and there's lots of poverty and things in them and I used to think, well, that was just a while ago. Now the world doesn't have that kind of poverty, but it actually does. Like, there were beggar kids and trash everywhere, and there weren't really roads. And, yeah, it was just, I realized that it wasn't just a long time ago that there was poverty. Okay. And does that help you understand better how to pray for them? Mm-hmm. It does? Yeah. Okay. Ellie, what about you? It was really hard not being able to talk to them, but we used our hands and like pointed to things to be able to talk to them, and we drew pictures in the sand with the children. Okay. Is that how you communicated? But mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Because I remember your your dad told me a couple of weeks ago that you, you played with the, the neighbors, and I was wondering, how did you communicate? So you just found a way to do it then. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's really great. Okay, and uh, let's let's have one more question. How how did you see Jesus during your time in Chad? Um, for me, there were two pastors, two Chadian pastors that visited us, and it was just so cool hearing their testimonies. It was like a missionary biography. It was so cool. I think I just saw Jesus in that how he protected them. Okay, when they were persecuted for Christianity. And wow, it was. It was so cool being able to talk with them. Wow, that's awesome. Nellie? Um, I saw Jesus and the people. They were very welcoming and loving. And mm. whenever we went to the nomad camp, the guy wanted to send chickens home with us. <laughs> and um, there was a guy named Mr. Ellie, and I asked him if he wanted to take a picture with me because we had the same name. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he said yes. And he was very excited, and it was it was um, warming to my heart. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. You girls, I'll tell you what, I, I asked your parents if we could just have you for a few minutes, but, man, y'all are so fun to talk to. I think we could talk for the whole hour. <laughs> what would we talk about? Well, it, whatever you wanted to. <laughs> that's really neat. You guys did a, you did a really good job just sitting here and just such. What, you know what? I bet the listeners would want to know how old you girls are. Abby, how old are you? Eleven. Eleven and Ellie. And nine. Nine and eleven years old. Would you like to go back to Chad again someday? Maybe. I don't know. You don't know. Okay, but but uh, but did you have a good time? Yes. You did. Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys got to do that, and thanks for sharing with us. You're welcome. You're Thank welcome. you. Okay, so now we'll spend some time with John and Heather. Uh, your, your kids are just, they're, they're just so sweet. Thanks for letting them do that. I appreciate it. Yeah, they were so excited to be able to do it. Good. So, glad That's awesome. Now, Heather, this is your first time on the podcast. Yes. Well, thanks, cool. for be, thanks for doing it. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Okay. Well, guys, what, you know, Chad, why Chad? Why did you, you know, how did that happen? 
Uh, I mean, just the Lord kind of dropped it in our laps. Uh, a couple years ago, we, we met this missionary couple. Uh, they weren't married at the time. Just We met the, the gentleman, uh, and he shared about what he was doing in, in Chad. So he's focused on uh, taking the gospel to the nomads that are in Chad, uh, and and he's working with that, that unreached people group there. And so then through that conversation, we'd stayed in touch with him over the years. Uh, and it was just a couple of years ago that we actually met him. Okay. And since Heather and I got married, we've always had the idea of wanting to do short-term mission trips with our, our kids mm. too, just to expose them to, to some of the, the gospel needs around the world. Mm. Not, not just to expose them to other cultures. That That's great that we can do that but primarily just that they have a feel for the church in the states is not typical okay uh, but that worldwide there's very different needs uh and in, in regards to the gospel okay and now we've we've introduced everybody to your two oldest daughters but i think everybody should know there's there's two more girls yeah that stayed home yes lael and lena who are seven and five, they stayed back with some really good friends of ours and uh, had a farm experience for two weeks. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah, we. I, I was actually out there uh, interviewing Hadassah, mm-hmm. and, and the girls were there, and they were real sweet. It was, it was fun to see them. Um, okay, well, so you ended up going, and uh, so just to talk talk us through it. You know, what was the process in getting there? What How did you have to prepare for it? Uh, yeah, so... The, the process, we we were hand-in-hand hand with our missionary friends. They, they led us the whole way because we had no idea. We'd never been to Africa before uh, and didn't really know what to expect. And so they, they walked us through the process. We had to get uh, a visitor's visa to be able to go. Uh, and so then once we... Once we got all those details worked out, you know, the girls got passports because they never had, had mm-hmm. those before. Uh, and, and then we booked the flights and we flew uh, with Air France. We went through Paris and then from Paris straight down to, to Chad because Chad used to be a, a French colony. Mm. Uh, and so so there's still a lot of French influence there. And so one of the, the national languages in Chad is actually French. Oh, okay. Uh, and so they speak French and Arabic. Those are both the national languages. Both of them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so all their government paperwork, everything is in French. Mm. Uh, and then in the country itself, the... The northern, like three fifths, all speak Arabic, and then the very southern part speaks French primarily. Okay, and it's a Muslim country, right? It is, yeah. And so it's, uh, uh, if you look at statistics, it would say it's about forty, forty-five percent Christian, and then fifty, fifty-five percent Muslim. Really? Yeah, uh, but it's it's deceiving because really the it's that's the general population, mm-hmm. but we. I mean, we just think of a country as uh, as much more um, or less diverse than a place like Chad. Chad has more di- people groups in it that speak different languages uh, than any other country in Africa, as far as I know. So it's around 150 people groups, uh, which means that each of those people groups, while they, they may be able to speak some Arabic or some French in order to, to go to the market mm. and make trades and stuff in, the people group itself has its own language. Uh, that's what they use to communicate on a day-to-day basis, their heart language. And so because of that, uh, the, the southern part of Chad, and by southern it's not like the southern half, but the southern maybe one-fifth 
of Chad is primarily Christian. That's where that 40% is. Okay. Uh, but the whole rest of Chad is 99% Muslim. So what region were you in? We were in central Chad. So it, it was Muslim. Okay. Yeah. And so there were, because in the, the town that we were in most of the time, there was several different people groups in that area. Uh, and only one of those people groups is considered reach. So in, in missions terms, reach is considered if 2% of a people group is believers, uh, then they're considered reached. They have they, they probably have enough Christians to have a, a self-sustaining church. Um, but if it's less than 2%, they say statistically, it's more likely that that the church, they will fizzle out. Okay. So uh, with it being mostly Muslim, how, how did they, did you feel welcome or did you feel guarded? Or Yeah. Uh, so it's really interesting because even though it is Muslim in that area, Chad itself is a country that allows religious freedom. So you can actually be there on a missionary visa. You don't oh. need any mm. platform to get into the country. So even our friends who are there, they're just there on a missionary visa and it's very welcome. They don't mind there being Christians as long as you're not converting anybody. Okay. And so it's the problem comes when a Muslim converts. And so we had a lot of interaction um, with Muslims. I would say more interaction with Muslims than believers um, while we were there, but all just very um, welcoming and having us in their homes and eating meals with us um, and just very, very friendly. Okay. And so I never once felt unsafe. Um, okay. And that's us being there with our two daughters. Yeah. Um, okay. So. That just makes me wonder, do, you may not know the answer to this, but okay, so they, they've, they're they not favorable toward Muslim becoming Christian. How about Christian becoming Muslim? I I don't know the answer. Okay. No. Um, Hopefully that doesn't yeah. happen, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I... I I don't know. Okay. Yeah. No. Were you going to say something, John? Yeah. The I'm trying to think what I was going to say. Uh, so, so yeah, they're they're very friendly and and open towards us. And and like Heather was saying, that their their biggest uh, concern is that Muslims themselves stay Muslims. And and I think it's so part of the the culture because it, it seems inconsistent. Why would the government, which is a Muslim government, even allow missionary visas if they don't want people to convert. Right. Uh, and, and I think it, a lot of it is because there's just an assumption that people aren't going to, uh, that, that Christianity is such a religion of the West uh, and Islam is so ingrained into their culture that you can, they assume, I, I'm guessing, that you can talk to a Muslim all day long or for years and they're never going to convert. Mm. And so... They're fine with Westerners coming in on missionary visa because they they see historically that missionaries bring hospitals and schools, and so it helps with the country, uh, the development of the country. But they don't feel uh, on edge about or threatened by missionaries coming in and converting people. These agents assume is probably not going to happen. Okay. Well, it's interesting, too, because the Islam there is not extremist at all. Mm. It's very much just a, a part of their life, a part of their culture. Um, but it's also mixed with some animism because of the tribalism mm. in, in mm. their past and their history. So it's as much as they're Muslim, it's very much like, well, this is just what we are okay. because we're, we're Chadian. Um, but I, there's not a lot of like devotion okay. to it for the, the most part. 
Okay. So. Do you find that, you know, for your time there, were Muslims open to hearing the gospel? Uh, I don't, I mean, because it was all through translation for us. Right. And so we we really wanted to come alongside our, our missionary friends that were there and just support them in, in whatever they were participating in. Okay. Uh, so, so we really didn't take any initiative ourselves to try to share the gospel with anybody while we were there. Okay. Uh, I know that our... Our friends, uh, they they have had those conversations with people and have taken initiative in that way. And uh, I know there's been times that they've, you know, the gentleman's done a Bible study with, with a Muslim friend uh, just because he was interested in, in the word. Um, but but it's, so it's, yeah, so I think they feel the, the freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's getting a feel in each situation of if it's the appropriate time or not. Okay. I feel like so much of it is relationship building. And that's what we did with them. Like we just came in and did life with them. And I think because they have people they already have relationships with, those people wanted to meet their American friends. And so just being willing to go into these people's homes and do life with them, um, I think just helped our friends' relationship grow deeper with the locals as well okay. because we were willing to come alongside and and do life as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would I would just say too as a disclaimer, like, we were there for a week, uh, a little over a week, and are in no way experts in in what what the church looks like there or the culture. This is just from our very short sure. time there and our perception and the conversations that we had with the people that were there. Well, now you spent some time in one of the churches there, right? We did, yeah. I got to preach at one of the the churches. So so we initially flew into the capital because uh, that's where the only airport is. The international airport, and then we took a six-hour bus ride uh, to another town. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and like, what was that like? Well, I mean, the the infrastructure there is very poor. So it's it's one of the. I mean, depending on what statistic you look at, Chad is you know that between ninth to fourteenth poorest country in the world, uh, and so it's very poor. So that means the roads are not good. So there's one primary paved road that goes across the country. And so that's the road that we took, but it's not maintained. Mm. And so there's times that the bus <laughs> goes off of the road because it's smoother than staying on the paved <laughs> road wow. uh, because the potholes are so bad. And so, so the bus ride was, was an adventure, you know, but we, we made it, you know, safe and sound. Uh, what was the bus like? What kind of a bus? It was, it was like a charter bus. So oh, okay. There was a All TV right. in there. Yeah. There's no bathroom in there, but there, there's a TV in there and, uh, there's no bathroom. No, no. And so, they would typically stop at least once during the bus ride. And, oh, that, in a six-hour ride. Yeah, yeah. So, so we intentionally dehydrated ourselves oh beforehand and didn't drink water. Oh my goodness! Until there was about an hour left, then we would start drinking. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, and so, so we we made it. I mean, the the stop for the bathroom is not at a public restroom. It's this is the side of the road, and go mm. find a bush somewhere, mm. which is yeah. actually better than a restroom. Really? From experience being there? Oh, <laughs> oh from being there. Okay. Yeah, from being yeah. there. I mean, if I had to choose a side of a road or a restroom, what would be considered a restroom, I would choose the okay. side of the road. Oh, that's sure. interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you got there. Yeah, so we got to the the town, and uh, and so then we, we got to preach. I got to preach in that, that smaller town where okay. our, our missionary friends live. Uh, and the church was... I would say probably around 150 people. Really? Uh, yeah, so it was a decent size, and, and they're working on building a, a new church building. 
Uh, it's been 10 years in the making mm-hmm. and still has a lot of work to do on it. And, and so with the preaching, it had to be through translation because it was uh, translated into Arabic and I obviously don't speak Arabic. Mm. Uh, and, and so that was, that was a neat experience getting to just be with, with the believers there. And they were very, uh, encouraging and just seeing their, their sincerity, you know, and just their our time together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then afterwards, all the elders in the church, they wanted to spend some time with our family. And so they went and got cold drinks, which is a big deal. Uh, and we all sat around together and, and just visited for a bit. And again, because it's all through translation, the, the depth of conversation is just difficult to, uh, to really have. And so a lot of it was more surface level. Um, but, but it was a good time. Okay. Now, when you, you say that they wanted to spend time with your family, did they actually sit down with all of you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they did. Okay. And so the, again, the culture there with the Muslims, the men and women don't, don't share meals together. They don't really just spend time together in a group setting. Uh, but with the, the Christians, a lot of that's, done away with and okay. so and so you are able to sit together for meals and things like that and and so there's these this church in this strongly muslim context uh, and it's because that that church is consisting of primarily two people groups that are in that area and there are several other people groups that are primarily or that, that are all muslim but in these two people groups there's been uh, a number of christians and so there's second to third generation Christians. And so all the members in that church, none of them, as far as I know, have converted from Islam to Christianity. They've grown up in the church. Okay. And so that's why they can publicly be there and there's not severe repercussions. Okay. Uh, because now there's there's enough of a expectation among the Muslims in that community that, well, those are people from that people group and, and so they're Christian. But even with that, it was interesting. The church is still divided. Like all the women sit on one side and all the men sit on the other side. Oh, really? So okay. families aren't, aren't together. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and that's because it's, uh, it has uh, brethren roots. Okay. You know, the, the first missionaries ever there were brethren. Okay, Plymouth uh, brethren. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. So they, they still maintain that tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was something that was maybe challenging for you guys? I think probably the most challenging thing for me was actually watching the girls be put in situations that were hard for them and knowing, like, I can't do anything about this, Mm. Um, either because it's not appropriate for us to deny something um, or, like, the girls and I are hanging out with the women and the situation's going on and John's with the guys. And even if I could tell him about it, we can't leave. Like, it would be so rude to, Mm. to leave. And so a couple of little situations was, um, I think John will touch on this some later, but when we went to the nomad camp, um, we had contacted the gentleman like in, right before we left to drive out there. And it was a little over an hour ride. And by the time we showed up, his daughter had just passed away from malaria. Mm. She was a toddler. They don't really know ages there. Mm. Um, she was a toddler. So when we had contacted him to come, he said, yeah, come, everything's fine. Um, and so just watching my girls like, we arrive and we get out and they're like, oh, my daughter just died from malaria. And they're just heartbroken. They don't know how to respond or what to do. Um, so they're just watching their hearts struggle with things like that. Or like um, Abby referenced, they butchered a goat. That was because it turned into a funeral. Um, oh, they wow. wouldn't normally butcher a goat just for company. Um, and so watching them be really brave and eat 
liver and stomach and intestines and you just eat it because you can't, you can't not. Um, And so they did great. They, they were wonderful with it. Mm. Um, Thankfully they couldn't understand what we were saying. So we could talk about it in English and you they're like, oh yeah, it's goat noodles um, (laughs) with the intestines because they kind of look like noodles. Um, And so they did great. Um, But just, yeah, several different situations like that where they were, they just had to do what is done in the culture and it was hard for them and knowing like, this is good. It's Mm. good for them to just have to do it. But for my heart, it's hard. And so many times when that was happening is like John wasn't there. So I couldn't even tell him this is what's going on. Um, And so did you have a translator with you as well. Yes. uh, Our friend, his wife and I were always together. So she and the girls and I were always together. And again, we never felt like unsafe. Mm -hmm. The guys were always within, you know, essentially eye shot, like we could see them or knew right where they were. They weren't far away, but um, the experiences we were having were different. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think for for me, something challenging, I think this is that the bittersweet of seeing uh, just the, the needs there spiritually and, and the sweet side of just being so grateful to the Lord for, for what we have here, mm. both in, in the States in general, but then in at his Hill uh, at, at Bernie Bible church where we're members, you know, that we just have such a rich Christian community uh, and, and are just so blessed. Uh, and it's so a very appreciative to the Lord for that great gift. But, but I think one of the big challenges is just seeing, uh, yeah, just, just the needs, you know, spiritually, uh, you know, that, uh, that as as we're on this six hour bus ride and we're driving past all these villages that are in different people groups and there's there's no Christians even trying to learn the language to be able to take the gospel to them like they don't have any access to the gospel uh, and and so then I mean even the the Chadian um, you know Chadian Arabic you know the Bible was translated finished. Uh, just last year, mm. and so so even the the church there in the town that we were in, they haven't had a Bible in their own language until last year. Wow! Uh, but this is a third generation of Christians, and so what what does that what does that look like as far as discipleship goes for your congregation if your congregation doesn't have a Bible? Mm. Uh, and so they have you know the, the New Testament or different parts of the Bible that have been translated already, but just seeing those those needs um, is just you know really heavy on, on my heart and, and just seeing that, uh, that we're so blessed. So I want to be so thankful to the Lord for, for the gift of fellowship, uh, that we have here and, and the ability to just have the word of God mm. so accessible. Uh, whereas there, I mean, not only was it just translated, finished in the last year, uh, but so many of them don't even know how to read and write. Oh. Uh, and so, so that, aspect as well and so the the needs for discipleship are huge the needs for evangelism are huge uh and and so that was that was hard hard to see okay uh you guys have mentioned a couple of times the kids did too of of being with nomads Uh, tell us about that how'd that come to be and what was it like um yeah so so our missionary friends their focus is is on unreached people groups and so the people group that they're working with is Chadian nomads or Arab nomads. Mm. And so they speak Arabic. Um, and so there's nomads that are in other people groups that speak different languages. Um, some of those are in Chad, but they're in other African countries as well. 
uh, but the the Arab nomads are their group that they're focused on. And so they will take trips, whether it's for just a day or for a couple nights or even, you know, trying to, to walk with the nomads for weeks at a time to be able to just build relationships with them uh, and, and then take opportunities to share the gospel with them. And so they, they wanted to give us as much exposure to, to Chad and just their life there as possible. And so one of the things that they, we really wanted to do is go out and visit nomads and it's the rainy season there right now, so that means most of the nomads have taken all their herds north towards the Sahara Desert mm. uh, because they can always come back later and there'll be more more for their uh, herds to eat uh, in the more lush climates uh, where it's raining right now. And so so there weren't a ton of nomads around, uh, but there was one, one family that he knew, uh, and so we went out to, to visit them. And like Heather was saying, it was about an hour drive, not on any roads. It was just like a motorcycle path or, you know, herd path. So how did you get there? They, they have a land cruiser, okay. which you basically have to have something like that if you're going to live out there. Okay. Because, uh, again, there's no paved roads either. And so little Honda isn't going to cut it. Huh. Uh, and so, so they, yeah, we're driving over all kinds of terrain and through water. And it's just, yeah adventure uh and your back's a little little sore by the end of it you know the bouncing i I wish this was on video because heather was just giggling now that must have been quite the experience for you it was it was fun yeah there's times we're like going and where the rocks are like the car is barely skinny enough to fit through where the rocks are and so you're just like are we gonna gonna fit through this (laughs) we we did but yeah uh and and so the nomads um so they they have goats and sheep. They don't really make a distinction between goats and sheep. They just mm. lump them all together. Uh, and then they have a lot of cattle or they'll have camels. And so really? Chad has more camels than any country in the world. Really? Yeah, I think it's like over 7 million camels in Chad. Wow. Uh, and so so we got to see some camels. Uh, and, and so we, we got to go out to the nomads. And like Heather had said, we had called ahead, our friend had, uh, and it was fine for us to come. And... Uh, and then another Chadian Christian, he came with us uh, because he knew basically how to get there, you know, because the, there's no roads or anything. So it's kind of, you have to know what direction to go. Okay. Uh, and and so he was our guide. And so we, we went out to this nomad camp and the the gentleman, he is, he has two wives, he's Muslim. And so they're allowed technically to have up to four wives. Uh, and so he has two wives and so two separate tents that they live in uh, a tent for each wife and then there's also that's probably a good idea yeah yeah i would imagine and the tents aren't very big so you know it'd be okay. a tight space to have multiple wives living uh and and then he he also has all of them have like a, a shelter that's just open air that's basically their living room that has mats on it you know abby had mentioned sitting on mats earlier mm-hmm. and that was so much of our time was spent you you go to see somebody and you just sit on the mat with them and just talk and, and visit so it's that very relaxed uh, and hospitable setting so yeah well one of the first things that i thought of is uh the idea of abraham having these three visitors and mm. and he invites them in and they sit together and he goes and prepares the goat and all those kinds of things uh, it just gave me, a, a, I think, a, a more clear perception mm. of what that looked like practically. Mm. Uh, and, 
Yeah, so we, we got to spend the whole day there, and we didn't know what it would look like right when we got there. Uh, yeah, we found out that his, his daughter had just passed from malaria. And so then it was fascinating to me seeing all the the local men, as they heard about it, the men in the area, they started showing up. The, the women were all mostly working in the fields because they're subsistence farmers, so whatever they, they grow, that's what they live off of. Mm. But it was more expected for the men to come and show their condolences mm. than than the women. Okay, uh, it's just part of I think being in that, that patriarchal or right. male dominant society. Uh, but so the men all came and and they had to go ahead and, and bury her within a couple hours. Mm. Uh, so the the uh, I got to participate in that whole process, the Muslim burial, and and just seeing. Maybe participate isn't the right word, but just observe uh, just that that whole process. And so I, was, uh, I appreciated getting to see that. And, and the Chadian man who came with us, the Chadian Christian, I think something that really stuck out to me was as as they're going through all this, he, he is there, he knows the culture more, and he's helping to bury her. Uh, and just the, the imagery of seeing seeing the Christians come alongside of, of the Muslims and, and do life with them and and bury their dead with them, you know, to, to care for them and and to come alongside and just express the the heart of Christ. Uh, and it's not a not just a separation. I think there's just so much stigma uh, against Islam for obvious reasons, you know, and you know, I recognize that it's it's not True, it's a lie. Hmm. Um, but but then Christ coming alongside of the tax collector who's a materialist and, and is living for something that's a lie, that's that's not true, that's not life. Hmm. And and he comes alongside these people that are just desperate. And and seeing that just played out in a very simple and practical way uh, in that experience of this Christian uh, chatty and who's just doing life with uh, these these Muslim men. Mm. I just really appreciated it. Mm. Um, now, they. I think you told me the other day that the, the, the father was not allowed to, to grieve. Correct, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know if emotion is seen as a sign of, of weakness or what, but when we first showed up, and he just embraced us, and he was very receptive towards us, and didn't even say anything about his daughter passing. Uh, but then, you know, in the conversation, he he mentioned something about it, but his his demeanor had not expressed that at all, that reality. Mm. Uh, and and so I think that's just uh, part of how they how they perceive um, strength. You know, is is not succumbing to to those emotions. Mm. And with the the Chadian that was with you, the believer that was with you, um, in this in him aiding with the the burial, um, does is that just common? Do the others just accept that, or did, could you tell that they were kind of you know noticing that this stranger is helping with us? Yeah, I mean they they did not seem put off by it. At all, okay. uh, they they seemed fully accepting of, of him participating, and you know just another observation that I think just related to the passages we see in scripture so much is that 
whenever they approached the the grave that they dug for her, both while they were doing it and then as they were as they were digging it, but then also as they were burying her, all the men took off their their sandals beforehand because mm-hmm. uh, it was considered just sacred ground, uh, and and so yeah, just seeing that the removal of sandals and but he was right in there with them. The the Christian uh, man was and just helping and mm. uh, and they seemed very receptive to it. But then, like the thing he didn't participate in was when they prayed. Okay. Um, so there was a distinction there. Like he helped them in all of the tangible things, mm-hmm. but then on the spiritual side, he did not participate. I think it's an incredible picture of being in the world but not of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. ministering. You know, not not backing off of that, but and 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 being and practically. But not, not compromising. Yeah, yeah, and I I do think that's just so so important of just wanting to be available to the Lord to serve in in whatever ways that He He brings up, and and we couldn't have anticipated that that's what the day was going to look like. Uh, but once we arrived, it was like, okay. Well, Lord, here we are. Like He He knew that that would be the situation when we arrived, uh, and. Culturally, there was no expectation that, oh, this is not a good time to be here with the family. They just, mm-hmm. they still wanted us to be there. Uh, and, and again, the girls mentioned at the end uh, when they were talking that, you know, someone offered us two chickens. <laughs> and that was, that was the nomad gentleman really? who he had just buried his daughter. Uh, and at the end of the day, he was so just um, happy that we were there. He wanted mm-hmm. to send two chickens home with us, which is a huge gift wow. you know, for them. Wow. Uh, and I'm, grateful that we couldn't accommodate and couldn't bring the chickens <laughs> in the vehicle with us for that hour drive. But, uh, but he, had, he had wanted to do that. Wow. So I'm just curious with, with that ex- particular experience, is it either with that or the trip itself, how has it challenged you in, in how you live in this society? That's a hard question. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's just something that, that we're still, I'm still thinking through of, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I remember growing up, people would always make, make jokes about, or maybe sincere comments about not throwing food away because there's so many places that don't have food. So we shouldn't ever throw food away because there's starving people, other parts of the world. And, and it's recognizing that the, the Lord has placed us in the setting that we're in and, and he loves giving good gifts, and he wants us to be fully present in, I think, the place that we're at. Hmm. So I don't think it, it necessitates a, uh, a, a total giving up of a certain lifestyle um, in, in the culture that we're in. You know, I, I don't think that we need to feel guilty okay. in having a, a clean house. Uh, I don't think we need to feel guilty in having uh, lots of food, you know, more food than we often know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, so there shouldn't be guilt associated with any of those gifts because they're gifts. Hmm. Uh, and so they're, they're given to be enjoyed. Uh, and so I, I think the, for us that one of the two of the practical things I would say for me at this point would be, again, just challenge to be content with what we have, you know, in, in the most simple things uh, that, you know, with, if, with food and with clothing, with these we shall be content. Uh, and, and like the girls mentioned earlier that there was so much just happiness there in the, in the midst of it. And you hear that all the time that people in, and, in, in more, 
uh, poverty stricken settings, they still, they're often very happy. Uh, and, and so just wanting to be content in the Lord with, with the things that we have, you know, that it's easy to, to be discontent about vehicles or clothes or whatever it might mm. be, just, just simply petty things, like in the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, of phones and internet and all that kind of stuff that we just think we're entitled to because of the, the culture that we're in, but recognizing that it's, it's all just gifts and blessings and far more than we need mm. or deserve. Um, so I think that's one thing is just being content and with what we have, what the Lord's given. Uh, and, and then secondly, I think just, just praying for, for the church globally, I think is something practically, uh, that, that he's impressed in my heart is that we're not called to meet every need. You know, the, the Lord is the one who oversees all of creation and, and sustains all people. And so that's not my task. Uh, but, but we are called to, to pray and that's the most, I think, the most practical thing we can do. Uh, practicality is not just giving money and, and seeing the tangible results, but practicality is that which is effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and prayer is, uh, I think, that the most profitable thing we can do. Yeah, I agree. So, so yeah, I think just the challenge, again, to be praying uh, both for the local church and the global church. I appreciate you bringing that up because it just seems like in our society so often when it comes to prayer, it's more of an attitude. Well, well, at least we can still pray or it's the, it's, it's what we do when we're at the end of our rope or, you know, nothing else. And and instead of thinking of it as really the first thing and and the continual thing that should be, you know, be a part of our, our life. Mm -hmm. What about you, Heather? Uh, I think I would agree with both of those things. And then just being reminded of the reality. And a lot of this has come through talking with my children about the trip. And, you know, Abby referenced like, oh, I thought this was just in books. I didn't realize mm. this was still modern day. Um, and that reality that there's, I think, a lot of people who don't realize this is still modern day and that the need is still so huge. It's like when we live in a place where we have Bibles and all of our languages and multiple languages and multiple translations and versions. And um, I think it's easy to forget the reality of what is lacking Mm. in parts of the world. And so just being reminded again to pray for that and to to talk about it with people. Um, Because it's easy for me, since I'm aware of it, to assume that people are aware of it and they're familiar with it, even with my own kids, like hearing them make comments about things. I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess I've never talked to you about that because in my mind, it's just so second nature to Mm. know these things Um, and not taking for granted what the Lord's experiences the Lord's given us and being willing to share those with people, um, just to open people's eyes to the needs and yet the Lord's love for those people. Like, you know, the girls and I were talking some um, at different times just about the reality, like that the Lord does not love those people any less. It's not that they are living in poverty and, you know, living amongst dirt and trash because God doesn't love them. Um, that he loves them just as much and his desire is for them just mm. as much as his desire is for us. There's nothing special about us. Mm. Um, he's just blessed us with living in the place where we live just as he's blessed those people with living in the place where they live mm. because the Lord gives good gifts. And even though it doesn't look good, our father does good things. And so mm-hmm. trusting that these things that don't look good, he's still at work in them. Um, and he is sufficient and his love is the same. 
Um, so yeah. Mm. With the um, the believers there, did you see Jesus? Yeah, I I did. I mean, again, we didn't get quality time with with many believers there. Um, but just thinking about the the Chadian believers, setting aside the different missionaries that we got to meet with, uh, the Chadian believers uh, that. I think it was Abby that mentioned two of the men that we got to hear their testimonies. Yeah. Uh, and, and these were two men that had gone as missionaries, they're Chadians, but they'd gone as missionaries to different people groups uh, that, that didn't have the gospel. And in both of them, in their testimonies, they're talking about just the, the difficulties and the persecution that they did face. I, I think that Chadian believers who are missionaries are more likely to face persecution than, than Western missionaries. Okay. Because... There, there is uh, a, a lot of respect and and a desire to befriend Westerners um, for for various reasons, I think. But um, they're they're very excited when when Westerners come. The the all the Chadians, Muslims, and, and Christians. So the the Chadian missionaries they do face more opposition, uh, and and they did receive death threats at different times, and mm. uh, and yet they. They were convinced like, this is where the Lord has us. And so if, if we lose our lives you know, and they have families with children and, and but they're like, but this is where, where we need to be mm. um, because, because we want to, to communicate that God is not just going to, to abandon them. You know, and that it, we love them enough. The Lord loves them enough to continue to, to minister and share the truth of Jesus Christ, even when there's opposition and risk involved. Um, and so speaking with those two men, I think it was very encouraging, joyful men, mm. happy, mm. sincere, in love with our Lord Jesus. Uh, and so it was, it was very refreshing. Uh, and as far as the, the other believers there, you know, we didn't get a lot of time with, with them, um, but, but especially with those two men. And, and there was another, another Christian couple that we had dinner with one night, uh, and they were very, again, just welcoming and hospitable and uh, and he's he's an entrepreneur, which is uh, uncommon in that area of trying to be uh, having the mindset of how can we improve things and make things better. Um, and but he's set up basically like a, a water system for his whole neighborhood that huh. if it, that the whole neighborhood is able to have running water uh, through him and. And just blessing his neighbors, wow. you know, and that was a, a neat testimony as wow. well. You know, these aren't just Christian neighbors; these are Muslims, and uh, and so it was just neat. Mm. I, I just uh, I find that encouraging to hear. You know that the same Jesus who lives in us, you know, lives in them, and is active. And yeah. uh, and then and Heather, you know, your your reminder of our of a good God, you know that you know so so often we can get caught up in the situations that we go through in life. And we lose sight of that, that he's a good God. And, you know, when you've got, we see people that live like these people do. And for them to give the same testimony, you know, it, it's a, it's a, maybe a reality check, you know, for us in the West in our walk with the Lord. Yeah. And I, I think too, something that uh, the Lord's really worked in my heart, even before going, uh, but, but then since going as well, is just the, the testimony of, you know, we talk about the incarnation and Christ taking on flesh. And, and we look at Philippians 2 and see that uh, that he sets aside 
something that is just so wonderful and and being there with the father above and and he is made in the likeness of man and we think man that's that's just incredible what a gift that is and but but then when we talk about you know people going to places like this in this kind of setting and and we hear of what they're giving up and and the challenges that they face whether it's disease or not running water or dirty water or whatever the things might be and the different risks that are involved and 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 we think well that's just maybe that's unwise maybe that's just too much too extreme uh, i don't know that i could do that and it reminds me so much of um, the incarnation that whatever somebody has to sacrifice or, or give up or set aside in order to go to these really hard places, uh, it's just a, a small glimpse of what Christ himself has done. Mm. And so it's incarnational ministry. We, we use that term a lot in the church of incarnational ministry of being, we just come and be among the people. Uh, but, but oftentimes that term isn't doesn't have the associations of actually giving up a total lifestyle um, and all the privileges that that are often enjoyed in the West. Uh, and so, so I think that that really just touched my heart. That Lord challenged me a lot of, okay, the incarnational ministry uh, is yeah coming alongside the students that we have here. But but there's a lot of giving up that can take place. Uh, and and sometimes it's easy to to think to myself, you know what, this is, I think I've given up enough. Like that, this mm. is this is high cost, and yet it's so minor mm. in comparison to. It's just based on your your perspective of how much you've given up. And we think of Christ Himself, and and He sets aside, you know, being with the Father in order to uh, to take on the likeness of man. Yeah, that's just. Such a challenge. And so thinking, you know, the reality is that there's so many needs uh, as far as missions and, and the unreached peoples around the world. And when we are are having conversations with people and, you know, I, I talk with students about their future plans and uh, but just in general as believers, when, when we think about missions, I think really wanting to be to be honest with the Lord of saying, I, I don't know if there's such a thing as, as a cost that's too high mm. uh, when we think about Christ and the incarnation. Mm. Um, and, and Paul says that, that there's momentary light afflictions that are just that, they're momentary and light. And this is the guy that's stoned to the point of death mm. you know, multiple times mm. and shipwrecked. And, and so w- whatever the cost is, as we think about still the, the needs in the world as far as the unreached go, uh, but even just in our local context as well, as we're ministering with people in our neighborhoods and our churches, uh, that that we start to think, you know what, this cost is a little too much. Um, I don't know if I can keep going. Mm. And the Lord says, mm. "Well, you're right. You you can. You have to surrender and, and let let this be Christ's work." Uh, but there's there's no calling that He's not faithful to sustain us in. Amen. I appreciate that, and that. We'll we'll end on that because I really uh, I think that's just a, a strong you know, strong reminder and challenge, and it, it it just fits in line with the theme of the podcast every episode of being fixed on Jesus, and so I appreciate you guys being willing to come and to share with us. I appreciate you letting the girls do it as well, 
and uh, we look uh, look forward to seeing just if the Lord's going to uh, if He's going to send your family on any other short mission trips. And would you be open to that? Oh yeah, well, it's definitely something John said. We've always had a heart hurt for before. You know, kids even came along to to have our kids again, not necessarily have that cultural experience, but. We want them to see the Lord's heart mm. for the world mm. and that the Lord loves these people and for them to have a heart for the nations. And I think it's just such a beautiful thing to get to let them do. Mm. Um, and so I think especially as the younger girls get older, we'd love to be able to do that with them as well. And yeah. Yeah. And, and I think too, uh, I mean, yeah, I feel like I could talk a lot longer, uh, but uh, I think too the the reality that I mean a trip to Africa is very expensive, uh, and there's it, we had the support of other people. Thankfully, the Lord provided, uh, and and some of it was out of our own pocket too. Uh, and and I just think that that it's worth it. Like what we think about how much money we're willing to spend on our child's education, mm. and uh, for us this is part of. Their discipleship, their, their education, and it's it's more valuable than their being able to know the parts of a cell. Mm. Is that they know uh, just the peoples around the world and the needs in the Lord's heart. You know that mm. uh, that people are there and the church is there and they're joyful and serving, uh, and and the Lord desires for all to be saved. Okay. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for being here. And uh, again, thanks for letting the girls take part as well. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast, featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with John and Heather Forrest. We hope it was uplifting to hear from them and their time spent in Chad. All of our students for this new school year officially arrived yesterday. It is always such an absolute gift to meet all the people I've been emailing for months about Bible school and getting to welcome them here. Please keep praying for our students that they would have open hearts as this new chapter of life begins. You've been listening to the His Hill Podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with John and Heather Forrest. If you would like to get in touch with John or Heather, please feel free to reach out to them via email. They may be reached at john at hishill.org. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill Podcast. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ, alumni. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.